Give yourselves a hand. You got out of bed this morning. Come on. Come on. We celebrate getting out of bed around here because we know that sometimes getting out of bed can be a difficult task. But every good day starts with getting out of bed. And every great message starts with the reason I tried to cooperate. So uh, if you would give me a moment. Um, I'm not sure it's time to get up. Thank you so much for being here, for sharing your uh, scriptures with us. Uh, we know that um, that it, it's, a, it's a gift for you to be here, uh, and we hope that you enjoy our service today. I want to invite you tomorrow night. We're gonna. Um, it, it's really good uh, because we get to leave all this stuff in the auditorium set up today, and we don't have to take it all and put it in a trailer every week. We arrive at 7.30 to unload a trailer so that we can give our best to all of you at 10 o'clock every Sunday morning. And, um, and we've got great people that have, um, that have given their time uh, for the last uh, 18 months now, 19 months, I think. Um, and it's just been an amazing, amazing journey. So um, it's, it's, a, it's a privilege to be able to do this. Um, and, and trust me, tomorrow night you're not going to want to miss it because uh, we're going to have cookies and cocoa and songs, cookies, cocoa, and carols. If I want to do it the Baptist first way, like three points to the three C's. Um, but um, it's going to be a lot of a lot of fun. So um, please, uh, if you don't have any plans, right? You don't want to intrude on your plans. But if you, if you don't have any plans, we're going to invite you tomorrow night at five o'clock. Our service will only be about an hour long, and uh, you'll be home on time for Santa Claus to come to your house. All right. Um, and tomorrow night, um, we're not going to have any kids um, programming, uh, so we invite your kids to join you in service and uh, just to uh, enjoy Christmas as a family. Because that's what I did when I was growing up, and that's what uh, my wife Tanya did um, growing up, uh, going to church on Christmas Eve and singing carols and having a good time. So that's what we're going to do. Um, by the way, my name is Adam Harold. I am the one, one of the lead servants here at the Refuge Church. I'm here to sing with us today. I don't ever want to get up here and just assume that you know who I am um, because that would mean that I'd be really popular, and I'm not. So um, my name is Adam, and uh, my wife's name is Tanya. She um, is the co-servant, co-lead servant with me. Uh, we, uh, we lead this church together. Um, today we are in the last of our series that we've called Fearsome Covenant. It's a it's an Advent series. Uh, it's a series based on the arrival of Jesus. And so for the last three weeks we talked about the arrival. The first week we talked about um, the gap between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Uh, the blank page in your Bible represents 400 years. And we talked about that, and it was really fun for all of you to be here because you got to hear a pastor try to speak on a blank page. Like, um, there's not a whole lot of material on a blank page. So um, we, we talked about that. And if you missed any of our, of our messages, um, really from here um, all the way back to March 5th of 2016, all of our messages are available on our iTunes podcast. You can just go to iTunes podcast and search um, Refuge Maine, or you, 
can go to refugemain.church/messages sermons that you may have missed. Um, although that isn't going to help you if you miss last Sunday, because last Sunday was so much more fun because I looked a whole lot prettier last week because my wife was up here with me and she made me look a lot prettier. So um, she was up here speaking last week and we talked about the obedience in the Christmas story, the obedience when it comes to uh, Mary and Joseph. different types of things, right? Um, different types of things. My iPad is not, not cooperating today, and I, I, am, I am already, like, fragile by it. So, um, just, just, just work with me. There are a lot of different types of things in the, in the world today. There are monarchs, right? Monarchs that are royalty, um, kings that are placed in, in their position because they are a monarch um, or because they're royal. There are also kings that uh, that are the best at something, the, the king of, uh, anybody knows who the king of pop was, right? Right, who was the king of pop? Michael Jackson, right? Michael Jackson was the king of pop. Everyone knows, well, most baseball fans know who the king of home runs is. Uh, that's a trick question, because anyone might, you might, some of you might say Babe Ruth, because he's like the, like the focal plot, right? But really, the, the king of, of the home run right now But there are also there are also people that are self-proclaimed kings. And the basketball fans know that LeBron James is self-proclaimed king, king James right now. Isn't that weird? So there are different types of kings in the world that we live today. And some people, and, and, but here's the, the, the thing about people about kings. Every king has something in common. The thing that every king has in common is. All kings rule something. They are the ruler of something. And so today when I say, I say when I look around our, at our society, I see a lot of kings. I don't see a lot of kings in charge. But instead, I see a lot of things in charge of hearts. A lot of things that rule our hearts. And so today, I want to talk to you about subject of the throne of our hearts. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for all the people in this place. I pray, Lord, that you would uh, just do an amazing, amazing work um, in this place today, Lord. And, and Lord, I, I pray for these people right now. I pray that you would continue to, to work right now in their minds and, and mess with them as people have their heads bowed and their eyes closed, not looking at me because I am a mess right now. Guess what? That didn't work. <laughs> oh, it didn't work. So, um, we're talking about about the throne of our hearts today, and 
And I know that many of you may think that as we talk about the stone of our hearts, like, doesn't this guy know it's Christmas? Like, how in the world is he going to talk about the stone of my heart when we're talking about somebody? Like, I'm here because I want to hear this story about a baby in, in a manger. And I want to hear this story about, about Jesus being born. I mean, that's what the pastor talks about every other time I've come to Christmas service, right? Like, he talks about a baby in a manger, and he talks about, about Christmas and Christmas stories. I want you to hang with me for a little bit and turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2, if you would, um, if, and if you don't have your Bibles, uh, I want to invite you to follow along with us in our, um, on our version Bible app. I almost said YouTube Bible app, which happens about every other week. I almost said YouTube Bible app. YouTube does not have a Bible app. U version does. The U version Bible app is produced by uh, Life Church, and um, if you follow along with us, uh, actually, the way that you find our events is on the screen behind me. Good news, my iPad works for that. Yeah. So now I have no excuse for being uh, a mess. Matthew chapter 2 is what we're reading. I'm reading from the message paraphrase this morning. Uh, the message paraphrase this morning. And um, just because it's a different, different spin on a passage of scripture that we may have heard before. Matthew chapter 2, and we're going to read the entire chapter. And I ask you to, to stay close to it. And follow along with the it says, after Jesus was born in the Bethlehem village, Judah territory, there was a, uh, it was during King Herod's kingship. A band of scholars arrived from Jerusalem from the east, and they asked around where can we find and pay homage to this newborn king of the Jews. We observed the star in the eastern sky, and it, that s- signaled his birth. We're on a pilgrimage to worship him. When word of their inquiry got to Herod, he was terrified. And not Herod alone, but most of Jerusalem as well. I find that very interesting, that most of Jerusalem was terrified. They knew that the Messiah would be coming, but they're terrified of this news. As well as Herod lost no time. He gathered all the high priests and the religious, religious scholars in the city together and asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? Verse 5. They told him, Bethlehem, Judah Territory, the prophet Michael wrote plainly, It's you, Bethlehem, in Judah's land, no longer bringing up the rear, from you will come the leader who will shepherd rule my people, my Israel. I love that word, shepherd rule. Think about that. We'll, we'll talk about it in a moment. Verse 7, Herod then arranged a secret meeting with the scholars from the east, pretending to be as devout as they were. He got them to tell him exactly when the birth announcement star appeared. And then he told them the prophecy about, they told him the prophecy about Bethlehem. He said, go and find a child. No stone unturned. As soon as you find him, send word and I'll join you at once in your worship. Verse 9. Instructed by the king, they set off. Then the star appeared again. The same star that had seen in the eastern sky. It led them them on 
until it hovered over the place where the child was. They could hardly contain themselves. They were in the right place. They had arrived at the right time. They entered the house and saw the child in the arms of Mary, his mother. Overcome, they kneeled and they worshipped him. Then they opened their luggage and presented gifts of gold, frankenstein, and myrrh. Just kidding, it's frankenstein and myrrh. But the pastor tells that as a joke every year. I apologize. Um, but I couldn't, I couldn't resist. So they give him gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Verse 12, in a dream they were warned not to report back to Herod, so they worked out another route, left the territory without being seen, and returned to their own country. After the scholars were gone, God's angel showed up again in Joseph's dream and commanded, get up, take the child and your mother, and flee Egypt. Stay until further notice. Herod is on a hunt for this child, and he wants to kill him. So, time out real quick. So, Jesus is being born, right? Excuse me, I'm putting the pop-up in my mouth. It's not important. Excuse me for that. I lost my iPad. So, if you only come to church on Christmas, I do talk like this all the time. I apologize. So, Jesus is born. There are these wise men that come because they, they heard that he would be here. And they're following this, this star that they had read about which would announce that Jesus is being born. And so they're following the star. They get there, and, and they, they get to, to this, this area known as, as Bethlehem in Judah territory. And that's where, that's where Jesus is being born. And, and, and Herod is the, is the king at the time. And Herod hears that Jesus is being born, that a Messiah is being born, that another king is being born. And now Herod is in a panic. What do you mean another king is being born? And so that's, that's where we're at in the story when we pick up reading in verse 16. <coughs> verse 14, Joseph obeyed. He got up, he took the child of Mary under cover of darkness, meaning because the angel had told him that Herod was coming to kill his baby, they left in the middle of the night to travel at night because no one traveled at night in this day and age. They didn't have vehicles. They didn't have red lights. They didn't have anything guiding them to, to travel. And so they pick up everything and they travel at night because they don't want to be seen because Herod is on a mission to kill their baby. Verse 16. Herod, when he realized the scholars had tricked him, flew into a rage. He commanded the murder of every little boy two years old and under who lived in Bethlehem and the surrounding hills. He determined that the age from information that he had gotten from the scholars. That's when Jeremiah's sermon was fulfilled. When Jeremiah said in the book of Jeremiah, a sound was heard in Ramah weeping and much lament. Rachel weeping for her children, Rachel refusing all solace, her children gone, dead, and buried. Verse 19, later then Herod died. God's angel appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt. Up, take the child and his mother and return to Israel. All those out to murder your child are dead. 
So Joseph obeyed. He got up, he took his child and his brother, and re-entered Israel with word through. When he heard, though, that Archelaus had succeeded his father, Herod, as king of Judea, he was afraid to go there. But then Joseph was directed in a dream to go to the hills of Galilee. On arrival, he settled in the village of Nazareth. This move was the fulfillment of the prophet's words, prophetic words. He shall be called the Nazareth. Now, if you're still with me, the big idea for today's message is this, that Jesus was born to be the king of your life. Jesus was born to be the king of our hearts. Now, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the 400 years of silence. And we, we learned then that many people anticipated the arrival of Jesus. But during that time, the priest, the high priest during that time, became motivated by politics. Good thing no pastors today become motivated by politics. <laughs> Just kidding, sorry. So the priests in the day became motivated by politics, and because they were motivated by politics, everyone during that day expected Jesus to be born a political king. Today, this very day, the Jewish nation are still anticipating a Messiah because they're anticipating someone to rescue them politically. And so, because of this, so many people missed the king that Jesus was born to be. Because he, did, he had no interest in being a political king, but he had every interest in being the king of our hearts. In the book of Micah, chapter 5 and verse 2, it says, But you, O Bethlehem, Ephraim, are only a small village among the people of Judah, yet a ruler of Israel whose origins in the distant past will come from you on my behalf. This prophecy is misunderstood by many people. That how in the world could this small town known as Bethlehem produce this king that would be the king of the world? How could that even happen? How could it happen that from this small village, something so great could be born? And here's the first thing that I want you to see this morning. The first thing that I want you to see this morning, if you're taking notes, write this down. Number one is that there has always been an effort to keep Jesus off the throne of your heart. There has always been an effort to keep Jesus off the throne of our hearts, my heart included. It goes all the way back to King Herod. It's all been an effort to stop the king of the, of the Jews, to stop the king of kings, the Lord of lords. There's always been an effort. John chapter 10 and verse 10 is the verse that we often like to see around here. It says, the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy, but my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. The tricks of the enemy are not new. The things that Satan does to get us distracted from going to church, from putting Jesus in our lives. The things that he does to keep us distracted are not new. He's done them for centuries. 
Satan tries to destroy Jesus in our lives every day. He tries to get you distracted. He tries to get me distracted every morning when I go, when I get up with my coffee to open this book, to read it, and to let it speak into my life. Oh, I have to take the kids to school. And then I have to let the dogs out. And I have to do this. And I have to do that. And I have to put the dishes away. And all these things are done to keep me distracted from opening God's word to hear God's voice in my life. So that God can be the king of my life. Every 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 time, every day, God tries his best to distract us, to keep us occupied so that he won't be the king of our heart. And so we go back to um, we go back to, to, to Jesus. So so back when Jesus was born, it says in verse 16 that that what King Herod did was Some people believe that, that there were this many babies that were, that were born, and some people believe 
according to the Catholic Encyclopedia, the Greek liturgy asserts that Herod killed 14,000 boys during this past calendar year. The Syrians believe that it was 64,000 boys. 64,000 boys were killed. And the medieval authors believe that it was as many as 144,000 babies that were killed. So there's a lot of discrepancy on how many babies were killed during this time. Professor William F. Albright estimates that the population of Bethlehem at the time of Jesus' birth was about 300 people. The number of male children, two years old or younger, would have been only about six or seven babies during that time. Other scholars claim that the number was between 10 and 20 when it comes to the children of Israel at that time, the babies that were actually that, that, like, anywhere from 6 to 20 babies doesn't really sound like a massacre in today's terms, does it? And, and that's sad. But that would, maybe that would, that would describe the reason why not many people that wrote about King Herod, because there were many people that wrote about it, maybe that's why they didn't include this event. Now, the other thing that shows us that it probably happened is King Herod's character. King Herod was the same king that killed three of his own sons. Three of his own sons because they felt, because he felt threatened that they would come and become the king and be a better king than he was. And so it all points to it actually taking place, but don't lose track, don't, don't lose sight of the fact that this is why it happened. The reason it happened was to stop Jesus from becoming the king of our hearts. Period. It wasn't to stop him from being some political king. It was to keep him off the throne of your heart. To keep him off the throne of my heart. To keep him from dying for our sins. From coming back to life. So that we can live for him. And so, number one, the first thing is, is that there's always been an effort to keep Jesus off the throne of your heart. Number two, the second thing that I want you to see this morning is the sacrifice that Jesus made. The sacrifice, sorry, let me read that again. The sacrifice that made Jesus king began in the manger. The sacrifice that Jesus made to become king began in the manger. That was just the beginning of his sacrifice. The Bible says that he thought that it was not not to be equal with God, that he became like us. Philippians chapter 2, verse 7 says this. Instead, he gave up his divine privilege. He took the humble position of a servant, and he was born as a human being. When he appeared in his human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor because he left sac- because he sacrificed heaven to be born as a baby he came to this earth to die in our place so that God could elevate him to the highest honor to be the king of kings and the lord of lords first John says therefore God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all names that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess 
But any will bow in heaven or earth and under the earth. And any tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus has always had the throne of our hearts in mind. He didn't come to this earth so that God could lift him up to the highest to the place of highest honor. That's not what motivated him. What motivated him was you. What motivated him was me. What motivated him was us. So that he could sit on the throne of our hearts. Earlier today I said that I look at this world around us and I see a lot of kings. I see a lot of things that are sitting on the throne of our hearts. Things like relationships. Things like money. Things like jobs. Things like sex. Entertainment. Fame. Sports. Ourselves. Those were just a few things that I thought of. The fact of the matter is, is that none of them have sacrificed in order to sit on the throne of your heart. None of them. Your job won't sacrifice for you. So why is it a big deal what sits on the throne of our heart? Write this down. That which sits on the throne of your heart, you worship. That which sits on the throne of your heart, you worship. And that which you worship, you become. That which sits on the throne of your heart, you worship. And that which you worship, you become. The reason it's a big deal of what is on the throne of your heart is because you become what you worship. And if you want to become like Jesus, you must worship him. The reason that Jesus sacrificed to become our king, the reason that Jesus sacrificed to become our king is because he wants you to be just like him. He wants you to be just like him. Why does he want us to be like him? Number three, this is the best one today. Because Jesus is king, he wants us to be a king too. Because Jesus is king, he wants us to become a king as well. Jesus wants us to reign with him. Come on, somebody. Like, I want to be a king. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 12 says, If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will also disown us. You be like, you be like me and become a king, or you, um, or you get disowned. Period. The book of Revelation Chapter 22, verse 5. The book of Revelation is really interesting because um, because God allows John to see what heaven will be like. John is, is, is one of uh, Jesus' disciples. And as he opens John's eyes to see what heaven will be like, this is what John writes in the book of Revelation. No, no, no longer will there be a curse upon anything, 
for the throne of God, and the Lamb will be there, and his servants will worship him. And they will see his face, and his name will be written on their foreheads, and there will be no night. There will be no need for lamp or sun. There will be no darkness. For the Lord God will shine on them, and they will reign forever and ever. Ladies and gentlemen, Jesus came to be king so that he could make us kings as well, so that we could reign with him. So when we celebrate the birth of Jesus, we don't celebrate a baby, I'm sorry. We celebrate a king. A king that wants us to reign with him forever and ever. If that makes you crazy, then do it. It's okay to clap and praise. Praise God for the ability to make us a king. But when I look around and I see the things that people put on the throne of their heart, you know what I see? I see people that are drained, that are discouraged. Because the thing that is on the throne of their heart, all it does is drain them. All it does is, is just wear them out. But when we place Jesus on the throne of our hearts, we will reign forever and ever with Him. And we will not be drained anymore. Stop being exhausted. And make Jesus the throne. Put Jesus on the throne of your heart. Make Him the King of your life. If all I ever do is look at Him as the baby in a manger, I don't ever become a king. Because I have to transform that thought of him being a, a baby in a manger and put him as a savior on a cross. And when I look at him as a savior on the cross, I can then look at him as the savior that walked out of that tomb on the third day and overcame death for me. So that I could become the king that he is. Because he wants me to reign with him forever and ever. It's funny. It hasn't happened, well, it, it just happened here not too long ago, but any time that I see a, a royal wedding, right? Like, Prince, everyone knows Prince Harry and, and Meghan got married, what, a year ago? Six months ago? I don't know how long it was, but it's always entertaining to me. The people that start to, to look at and, and to watch this royal wedding. It's funny. You know why I think so many people are, are just captivated by a royal wedding? The reason I think is because just for a moment, just for a moment, it seems like royalty is obtainable. Oh, Meghan Markle, she was American. Like, she was, she went to my high school. She didn't go to my high school, but stay with her, right? She, like, she's normal. And, and now she's a princess. And we get, the ends 
just completely captivated with these royal weddings because all of a sudden it looks like royalty is obtainable. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to know today that royalty is obtainable. But it has to happen by you placing Jesus on the throne of your heart. I know. It's difficult. It's difficult to say, all right, God, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to completely give my heart over to you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put you on the throne of my heart. But the fact of the matter is, is that's the only way that you can obtain royalty. Is if you place him on the throne of your heart. Would you do me a favor? Would you stand with me? Stand to your feet. Every head bowed, every eye closed. We're going to get out a little early today. Come on, somebody. Merry Christmas. Our prayer team is coming forward. I love, I love the fact that every single morning I have an opportunity to bow before a king. Every morning I have an opportunity to take my request to the king of all kings, to the Lord of all lords. But it is only because I have given him my heart. You see, this is the first step. This is the first step in becoming a king. Giving my heart over to God. Your heart is who you are. Your heart is everything about you. And I realize that it's a lot more difficult than I make it sound. If you're here today, and you would be honest enough with yourself, that you would say, I have never given my heart to Jesus. I have never placed him on the throne of my heart. I want you to know today that it, it's not rocket science to do that. You don't have to go before a priest and tell him everything that you've done, that you've done in the past, everything that you've done that's wrong. You only have to go before the, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And the way you do that is by confessing with your mouth. And by believing in your heart that Jesus came to this earth to become your king. And the way he became your king is by dying a death on the cross and by raising from the dead three days later, overcoming death so that you can live for him. If you're here and you want to give Jesus your heart today, would you do me a favor? Every head bowed, every eyes closed. 
everyone's standing up so no one can really see a whole lot. If you want to give God your heart today, would you just forgive me? Would you raise your hand so I can see you? Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? I've never given God my heart, but I want to do that today. If you raise your hand, I want to invite you to, to say this prayer with me. Nothing magic. The words that I give you are not magic. The belief in your heart is what saves you. Say, God, I know I've done wrong. And I know because I've done wrong, I cannot become king. But because you sent your son Jesus, not just to be a baby, but to be a king. And because Jesus died for me, and he rose again, I can place him on the throne of my heart. So God, the best way that I know how, I put Jesus on the throne of my heart. Help me Become new so that I can live for you forever and ever. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Would you look up? Would you give God a hand clap of praise today? Come on. Come on.